an artist can't just put your creativity out there and tell the public, just deal with it. I don't think that's right. I think if we are going to be creative in ways that do disturb, then we have to face the results of that. It's not courageous. It's not fearless if you just do it and walk away. That's Renee Marie. And this is Well, That Went Sideways, a podcast that serves as a resource to help people have healthy, respectful communication. We present a diversity of ideas, tools, and techniques to help you transform conflict in relationships of all kinds. On this episode, we talk with Renee Marie about an artist's response to conflict. She is a songwriter and singer. She's recorded almost a dozen albums, including Sound of Red, which was nominated for a 2016 Grammy Award in the Best Jazz Vocal Album category. I'm Sam Fuqua, co-host of the program with Alexis Miles. Hi, Alexis. Hi, Sam. And we are so happy to be joined for this edition of Well, That Went Sideways by Renee Marie. Welcome. Thank you very much. I'm so happy to be here. I wanted to start with just asking you about how you started your singing career, because you started later than most people. You were in your 40s, right? I was in my 40s when I started getting paid to sing. I'll put it like that. In terms of taking that leap to being Mm -hmm. a professional singer, was there any internal conflict that you had to deal with? (laughs) No, there wasn't any conflict. There was a lot of ignorance. (laughs) And I didn't know what I was doing. In fact, I didn't have a plan. I just started singing because... One day my son heard uh, a a singer singing the songs that I would sing at home. She was on stage with a band and he thought I could do a better job. And he talked me into uh, starting to sing in public. My husband uh, also thought it was a good idea. So I just like on a whim, just was no forethought. There was no plan. There was no nothing like that. It was just, oh, la, 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 la. I think I'm going to sing. <laughs> kind of like that, really. And the more I got into it, the more I realized that this was a form of communication I had kind of let go by the wayside. It was another language, actually, that I could communicate with much better than any other way of communicating that I have. So that was how it happened. And then people would ask me, well, what's your five-year plan? And at which point I would laugh, not in their face, but I would laugh because I was like, I don't even have a five-day plan. I don't know what you're talking about. And it turns out I'm a person who makes decisions by how I feel about things inside rather than having this plan written out on a piece of paper. You know what I mean, Sam? I do. I think sometimes that works for me. Other times I wish I had a plan. Mm -hmm. I found that by not having a plan, I was stepping into all these big puddles of joy. You know, not having the plan allowed me to look at a doorway or a path and go, "Mm, no, I don't think I'm going to do that. Even if it might have been the conventional route to go, to get where I ended up coming, 
but I just didn't want to go that route. It didn't feel right. Or sometimes it would be like the only obvious choice, like the universe was pointing like, do this, do this, do this. <laughs> Did you run into any conflict with people in the the business side of the music business who wished you had a plan? All the time, all the time. It's still that way. I just don't do it according to plan. And I ran into conflict with my my husband because he at first said it was okay for me to sing. And then he said, no, I changed my mind. You can't sing. So there was a back and forth over a period of two years of conflict. And some of it was um, very, what's the word I'm trying to think of? It was intense. I'll put it that way. Like abusive intense or? There was plenty of verbal, verbal abuse. And it ended, the last day of our being together uh, ended in physical ab abuse because I was supposed to go to the studio the following day to record my very first CD. And he told me that I could not go. And if I did go and came back home that I would could expect to experience some physical abuse. And I thought for a few seconds. <laughs> and then I picked up my music and stuff and tried to leave. But um, I will, he prevented me from leaving. Um, and then when it was all over, I picked up my stuff again and, um, and walked out the door, my music and a few of my clothes. And, and we started recording the next day. Now, if somebody had asked me three months prior to that, Hey, uh, do you think you would ever leave your husband and leave your home for music, I would have said, no, of course not. But it wasn't so much the music that I was leaving home for. It was having been given an ultimatum. Like, if you do this, you come back, I'm going to do that. Or you just try it and see what happens. It was that type of thing. And I thought, I don't want to live with anybody, parents, Sibling, child, husband, who thinks it's okay to give ultimatums like that? Who, who wants to live like that? Not me. Even if it meant if somebody said, well, if you leave, you'll never be able to sing again. Okay, fine, because I'm not going to live like this. Did you always have that strength of conviction? And, and I'm wondering if growing up in Jim Crow, Virginia for your first 10 years has mm. anything to do with that? I think I've always had a very strong sense of justice and of what's right and what's wrong, what's unfair. I've always had that. And not just as it applied to me, but to other people. And I would often come to the defense of people who were too shy or some other reason why they wouldn't stand up for themselves. And I would stand up for them, you know. I would get into fights, <laughs> not because somebody was picking on me, 
but because they were picking on a friend of mine or a handicapped kid or, you know. And uh, I would use my words, and if that didn't work, then I would use whatever else was at my disposal, including a pocketbook in the fourth grade. I remember using that as a weapon. <laughs> Renee, I noticed that you you talk a lot about honesty and truth and inner mm-hmm. guidance. And I want to talk a little bit about 2008 and how those qualities came into play. And so, of course, I'm referring to your invitation invitation to sing um, yeah. at an event where the mayor was scheduled to speak and I think you were asked to sing the Star Spangled Banner and you you use the the melody but you substitute to the, the lyrics so you use the lyrics of Lift Every Voice and Sing also known as the Black or the Negro National Anthem to the tune of the Star Spangled Banner there was a lot of fallout from that so could you yeah. talk about that as it relates to those qualities you often speak of, you know, truth, justice, joy, guidance. I had written a suite called Voice of My Beautiful Country. And in that suite, the third movement of it, it was the song you just described, the melody to the national anthem, but the lyrics from Lift Every Voice and Sing. And I had decided that I would no longer sing either one of those songs the conventional way. Like I would no longer sing Lift Every Voice and Sing by its original melody. And the same with the national anthem. Lift every voice and sing till earth and heaven Ring with a harmony of liberty. And a few months prior to singing at the Mayor's State of the City Address, I sang at the Governor's Breakfast. And all I brought was a djembe. And I sang a couple of songs, and one of them was that third movement. And at the end of the event, someone from the the mayor's office came up to me with a business card and said, we would like for you to sing at the mayor's state of the city address. So since I had just sung the song that he heard, And then they asked me to sing it, to sing at the State of the City. I was thinking, okay, they know what this is all about. I'm I'm happy to do it. But as the date got closer, I started feeling some fear. And, you know, me and fear, we have an unusual relationship because I embrace the fear. I don't try to get rid of the fear or calm the fear. I feel all this energy, you know, fear is this, but it doesn't always have to go the way fear wants you to go. 
you can take that same energy and do some amazing things. And that was what I decided to do was to take the fear. And I I had a, a long conversation with um, Vincent Harding. Oh, that was so helpful. He said, don't shrink back. Don't shrink back. Move forward. Even if you fall, fall forward, you know. So I was nervous about it because I didn't know how it was going to go. I wasn't trying to um, make a point or anything like that. It just was my personal truth that Black people had never been included in anything as it relates to what represents this country. Never. We always had to fight, struggle, protest, die in order to get our voices heard. And I wanted to sing a song that reflected what we have been through. There were five or six religious representations on that days and each one said their own prayer i noted that and i was like okay yeah this is right i'm, I'm yeah I'm, I'm i'm doing the right thing <laughs> so um it was very important to me to stay true to what i had originally decided well before there was an audience in front of me or the mayor was standing there and there were, you know what I mean? There was the color guard was there. Those things had to disappear for me and me stick true to myself. Because if I had done anything else, it would have been to try to get someone's approval. And, and I don't want my art to ever be based on that whose approval I can get. Part of that story that is fascinating to me is the fact that you got a lot of emails and a yeah. lot of it quite hateful. Mm -hmm. And you made a decision to respond to every email that you got, even though it took you a long time to do. Could you yeah. talk about what made you make that decision? This all happened in one day. We did the thing in the morning Someone on city council, Charlie Brown, went to his office afterwards. He was fuming. And he said, what is this song that she sang? And the reason I know this is because one of the interns in his office told us what happened. And so she told him it's called the Black National Anthem. He took those two words, Black National, and he called the conservative radio station and of course, he goes down there. They call me. It was around 1 p.m. by this time. They call me and ask me if I'm going <laughs> to, if I would like to come down there and talk. And I said, Who is this? And what do you, what? I don't get it. Then they told me, Well, we heard you did this, this, and this. And we'd like for you to come down and express your viewpoint. And I thought, No, you're not asking me to come down and express my viewpoint. What you want to do is attack me. I didn't say that, but I knew that. And I said, no, I don't think so. So the mayor called me and said, hey, we are getting bombarded with emails and phone calls regarding what you did. Now, he says, I don't have any problem with it, but 
we can't get our work done because of all these phone calls. And I right away, I said, well, you're not responsible for what I did. So whoever calls, give them my phone number. And if they email, here's my email address, because I'm responsible for, for answering to what any questions they may have about what I did. And that's, that's how it came about. I didn't think it would be, um, you know, something that big of a deal. But girl, you know, you take these um, highly revered emblems of what people want to believe America is and just throw a little bit of question at it. People um, will, sh will really show who they are. And so, yeah, I, I, I decided an artist can't just put, you can't just put your creativity out there and tell the public, just deal with it. I don't think that's right. I think if we are going to be creative in ways that do disturb, then we have to face the results of that. It's not courageous. It's not fearless if you just do it and walk away and let someone else handle the stuff that you tr deliberately stirred up. It's not fair. I don't think it's right. So I wanted to, I wanted to um, show responsibility and accountability. I know I have accountability. If I decide to write a song about adultery and go into great detail in the song, then I have to be willing to deal with it after the song is over, concert's over, and somebody's looking in my face, and they're, they've been stirred up because of their own involvement in, in one way or another. You dig what I'm saying? That's my opinion, and I wanted to face the music, so to speak. I wanted people to tell me their honest feelings, and some of it was quite painful. Some of it was extremely puzzling. And some of the people were just calling to see if I would answer the phone. I had one of the best conversations with an elderly white man who dialed my number. I answered, and he was stumbling all over himself at first. Well, I, is, this, uh, is this Renee? I said, yes. <laughs> he said, well, I didn't think you were going to answer. And and uh, we ha we must have talked 20 minutes. He told me he was in the service. These were the conversations that really opened my eyes and then my heart because I thought, Renee, you, you have really touched something here. I didn't quite know what it was, but I knew I couldn't turn away from it or run from it or say somebody else answered them 
or just use a stock answer. I try to direct my responses exactly to what they were saying. I try not to try to come across like I'm right in having done this. You're wrong. You're small-minded. I, I didn't want to have that viewpoint. I wanted to be able to say, we all have our own way of looking at things. I just happened to be an artist, and this was how I wanted to express what had happened to me and other people of color and how we have never had any say-so in the representation of American ideals. We've never. So this is just one little song. You know, it's not trying to change the world. I just wanted to express this one thing. You know, in talking about it, I can feel the tension in my body because it was it was a woof unexpected and very intense. If I remember correctly, even Barack Obama weighed in on it when he was running mm -hmm. for didn't he though? The presidency. <laughs> he sure did. They did not ask uh, John McCain. They didn't ask him. They only asked Obama, which I thought, I'm like, what? Why you ask Obama? Why can't you ask McCain too? Well, we know the reason why. And and it just hurt my feelings what Obama said. But I understood. <laughs> I understood. Do you remember what he said? He. If I remember correctly, he said, if they asked you to sing a song, you should have sang that song or something yep. like that. That's Is what that he said. It? Yeah, like, oh, man. <laughs> Renee, part of the irony about that for me is mm. the beauty of the lyrics of Lift Every Voice and Sing until mm -hmm. earth and heaven ring. Mm -hmm. it's a, the lyrics mm -hmm. are beautiful and profound. They are. They're profound. but. The context was a black woman singing a song written by another black person. And the, like you said, the lyrics are beautiful. A another thing I got in many of the emails was this perspective. Hey, you were hired to sing a song and you should not have changed the song you were gonna sing. And I always, would ask them, what if I had, instead of singing Lift Every Voice, I had sung America the Beautiful? Then would you have been upset? And of course the answer was, well, no. So then it's not the fact that I changed the song. It's just that I actually sang the lyrics to a different song. And why does that bother you? So... I would try to use, you know, searching questions to get them to maybe look at it a different way if possible. Were there some moments of transformation for the person you're talking to um, or for yourself? You mentioned one when you're talking to the older white gentleman. There were some who calmed down uh, as a result of, of me answering their questions. And they, the response was, oh, I didn't think about that. Or, oh, I didn't know that. Oh, okay. Uh, but none that I could, I could actually point to and say, this changed someone. It, it was just those types of remarks. But here's the one, the one 
response, it was an email that hurt me to my core. It was sent by a young black man. He said, why do you old black people always have to go back to the past? This is 2008, he said. I was just shocked beyond. <laughs> At first I was like, old? Who are you calling old? <laughs> but that phrase, old black people, you know, it brought up this imagery of me singing spirituals out in the field when he said that. I, really, it did. And I was hurt by that. And I know why he said it, because Obama was running for office, and it did seem like, for some people, it seemed like, oh, we finally got over that hill. We got this behind us. We don't have to worry about this anymore. And some of the rest of us were, you know, fanning and going, mm, I don't know about that, <laughs> you know. And I think that's what he was referring to. You know, got to keep stirring the pot. Why don't you just... You old black people. Oh, that hurt me. Um, and then there were some uh, emails I got that were very to the short and to the point that said, your itinerary is on your website. I know exactly where you're going to be at such and such a time. Do you know how easy it would be to just shoot you? And that caused me to have a meeting with my band. And I said, look, y'all, we're living in some difficult times. Here's what someone wrote. And it's not just one threat. I've gotten several of these. Um, I'm willing, I wrote the song, so I'm willing to get up there and sing it regardless of what happens. But I can't ask you to do it. And to all three of them said, oh, no, we're with you. We're with you 100%. And so before, if, if I put that song on our uh, set list, before getting up on the stage, I would be like, okay, this could be the night. I don't know. But I would rather, I would rather go down singing something I believe in than holding back out of fear because this was such an intense uh, experience and mm -hmm. both the response to these many, many critics and then the direct threat of physical violence. Uh, mm -hmm. Did it make you think twice about pushing the boundary or crossing the line as an artist no. later in your career? No, because, you know, hey, Black people have been threatened with violence just for walking down the damn street. So why should I <laughs> think that if I stop, if I don't do this song anymore, everything's going to be just fine? You know, our very existence is a reason for some people to kill us, to their way of thinking. So I can't change that. I can't change that. What I can do is write songs about it and sing about it and you know, my nieces and my nephews, my sons, my siblings, leave something for them to, I don't know, re 
remember. Well, thank you so much for your time and your music and your so open and thoughtful with us today. I thank you both. Uh, you've given me a lot to think about. Yes, I know what swing is, but for me the thing is incomplete. And I mean it, I won't compete. That's Renee Marie with her song, This for Joe, from her album Black Lace, Freudian Slip. You can hear more at her website, ReneeMarie.com. Thanks for listening to Well, That Went Sideways. We produce new episodes twice a month. You can find them wherever you get your podcasts and on our website, sidewayspod.org. We also have information on our guests and links to more conflict resolution resources at the website. That's sidewayspod.org. Our production team is Mary Zinn, Jess Rao, Norma Johnson, Alexis Miles, Aliyah Thobani, and me, Sam Fuqua. Our theme music is by Mike Stewart. We produce these programs in Colorado on the traditional lands of the Arapaho, Cheyenne, and Ute nations. To learn more about the importance of land acknowledgement, visit our website, sidewayspod.org. And this podcast is a partnership with the Conflict Center, a Denver-based nonprofit that provides practical skills and training for addressing everyday conflicts. Find out more at conflictcenter.org.